turn to the ministry of the Word, and we get to Psalm 125 this morning. I'd like you to read that psalm with me, and then we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. But uh, first, our reading, Psalm 125, page 712 in the Pew Bible. A Song of Ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will, shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. All right, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. During the time of the prophets, uh, the kings, you have the prophet Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 6. page 428 in your Bible. I'd like to begin reading at verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your own bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early... That would be Elisha's helper, by the way, a servant of the man of God. He rose early and went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me. I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. 
Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Let's turn back um, to Psalm 125. That was an example of a people strengthened by knowing the Lord was surrounding them. And now Psalm 125, we just read those words, but because this is our text, we're focusing on this morning. It would be good to have your Bibles and keep it open to these words of Psalm 125. A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. We're going to sing the same psalm after the sermon, so uh, Psalm 125. Congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, what shall it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jesus taught that, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. You might be trying to gain the whole world. Who isn't trying to get control of the world that you live in? So many choices you make are about creating a safe, secure, healthy, stable environment. Maybe parents are asking, what's good for my children? What's the best for my own health? Young people, often you're asking, what's a good money-making job? But listen to Jesus. What will it help a person if he manages to gain the whole world and lose his own life, his own soul? Psalm 125 is about safety, security, stability. What will make us blessed? What is your comfort that you, the people that you love, will be okay in the end? You might be looking one direction. You might be aiming your life in one direction, trying to take in as much blessing as possible. But Psalm 125 is going to turn that around for you. We're looking up to the hills. Psalm 125, and we get this picture for us. Psalm of ascents, climbing, going up, For those pilgrim travelers three times a year heading up to Jerusalem, I don't know how you are steadying out your life, trying to get rid of the bumps in your life, finding your best life now, but but those who are making this journey, this faith journey to God's dwelling place, you who trust in the Lord, you are absolutely on solid ground. You are the ones who are unshakable. 
not what the world's telling you. Psalm 124, it began. You remember last week, Psalm 124? Where is your help coming from? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And Psalm 125, are you sure? Because those who trust in the Lord, you know how good you have it. Those who trust in the Lord are awesome. I don't say that too often. Saying that of God's people. You are awesome. But if you said this the way Psalm 125 does, you are like Mount Zion. That's our picture. Cannot be moved, but abides forever. I wonder if you've heard of Mount Zion. Today, this is one of those days I'm really glad that you're not, most of you are not from BC or Colorado. Most of you are not used to those mountains out there that are ridiculously high. So you know a little bit about mountains, Mount Zion you're familiar with, because it's a lot like the escarpment or the Blue Mountains, because it's not huge and it doesn't have to be tall. All you needed back then for a mountain was a place to climb, a safe, secure, immovable place, some high ground, that's what it is. So you could climb it, and you could look down on your attackers and Remember when you were a kid? Na, 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 you can't get me. Remember that. We had a ramp at a shed at the school when I was a kid. We'd climb the ramp and say, you can't get me. You had the advantage. People couldn't push you off. And Psalm 125, it gets you to picture this. Those who trust in the Lord are at the top of the ramp. Mount Zion, that mountain that cannot be moved but abides forever. And it's not because it's built on limestone or some sort of rock formation. It's because God chose that particular hill for his temple, for his people, Jerusalem, the city. And he would draw near his Old Testament people at that place. It was God's favorite mountain. Just think of some of the Psalms. Psalm 48, the joy of all the earth. David's stronghold. Or Psalm 99. The Lord is great in Zion. Or Psalm 128, the Lord bless you from Zion. You have to picture this hill, Zion. Those who trust in the Lord are like that hill. You're untouchable. You're safe. That's one picture you get this morning. You see, I'm on that first point. The picture that you get. Because what's going on in verse 2 is more of a picture. It's filling it in. You see verse 2? As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. This picture we've just zoomed out. You get a bigger picture. Uh, It's because it's even more amazing than just looking at Mount Zion, that solid Jerusalem hill. But now, God surrounds her like a whole bunch of mountains. I have to comment on this. I have this cool atlas. Zondervan published an atlas showing these good aerial pictures of Jerusalem, of Mount Zion. And these pictures are zoomed out enough that I can picture, because I've never been to Israel, but I can picture all the hill country of Judah around it. 
And the people, as they're making this journey, it's, it's a psalm for the journey travelers going to um, Jerusalem. They're making the ascent, and they're seeing all of this terrain. They've been traveling through it. This is the kind of terrain where Jesus makes the parable of the Good Samaritan. You should be able to picture in your head that trail that starts from, I call it a trail because it's hardly a road, from Jericho up to Jerusalem through all this hill country where it's easy to slip and fall, where robbers have so many hideouts. Jerusalem is a hill. It's on a hill, Mount Zion, surrounded by hills. And they're isolated. They're off the beaten track. And that's true in social and cultural terms as well. They're off the grid, you could say. No enemy was going to ever use chariots and horsemen to attack Jerusalem. Why not? Because you don't have open plains and fields. You don't have that flat country. You don't have highways. And keep in mind the split in Israel. There's a little bit of history here. When the 12 tribes of Israel, they split up. You had 10 tribes in the north and two in the south. That was called Judah in the south. And it's understandable that the 10 northern tribes, from a human sense, it makes sense that they went off the rails way sooner than the rest because they were involved in idolatry way sooner. They were facing the world way more. They were engaged with the culture way more. And little isolated Jerusalem in the south surrounded by the hills they were proud nah nah you can't get me country churches can be like this given a geographical advantage you have peace and you have safety and security just from being out there a little more having a few more acres being further from the 401 and so that advantage easily turns to pride Country churches can look down on city churches. But look at this picture. Verse 2. The Lord God is doing like the mountains. The Lord God surrounds His people. Better than the mountains. And that's why we read, I wanted to read that uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. Because Elisha and his servant. They are surrounded, first of all, by enemies, the Syrians, their armies, their chariots. And when Elisha prayed, the servant ended up seeing another picture. He saw God's army of flaming chariots and horsemen easily outnumbered the Syrian enemies. And that's the awesome relief, to know that God truly surrounds His people. You can rejoice. You can have fun. Look, you remember how that story ended? We read it. Trick the enemy. Feed the enemy a feast. Notice how playful it was. Send the enemies home with a gift bag. All the worry is taken away because God surrounds you and your heart's at peace. God surrounds you like those mountains surround Jerusalem. So the point is, picture the comfort, picture the peace, knowing that God surrounds you. You are like Mount Zion. You are solid. You're safe. Nothing will shake you. Wait, I want to be more careful. I don't mean you. Nothing will shake you. 
Did I say, you are like Mount Zion? Does God mean every one of us? Should every single person here get the feeling that we're all safe? Who is actually surrounded? What does your Bible say in verse 1? Who is surrounded? Who is like the hill? Those who trust in the Lord. Let's not miss that. Those who trust. And it's helpful that it doesn't just say believe because we've taken the word believe and many people believe in God but very few actually trust in God. The demons believe. They believe God is one, James says. Sinners believe. I've known many church people. I've met many church people, baptized, regular church-going people who say, I believe while they're acting out against God. Uh, Sinners better not get the sense from this that they are like Mount Zion. No. Sinners better be squirming. That's what the psalm is getting at in verse 5. Expect to be taken away with the workers of iniquity if you're going after crooked ways. So you have to understand the psalm as amazing comfort for certain people, for those who trust in the Lord. And I'm going to repeat, just to illustrate this, an old, maybe you've heard this a hundred times, an old illustration that's still ringing in my mind of the tightrope walker. To illustrate what trust is, this guy gets a tightrope stretched across to Niagara Falls, and he's a professional tightrope walker, and he says, you guys believe I can get across? Yeah, you do that for a living. Yeah, you can easily make it across the tightrope and make it across the Niagara Falls. So he goes, comes back, and he says, you want me to add a little bit of a challenge? Can I push a wheelbarrow across? Do you think I could do that? Of course, he'd take the rubber off of the wheel, and so using the rim of the wheelbarrow, he'd push that across the tightrope, all the way across the Niagara Falls, and back safely. And you're like, okay, that was good. What about adding some weight, he says. Do you think I could do that? Let's say 200 pounds of weight. Sure enough, he does it, it's fine. But this is trust. He turns to you and says, I need a volunteer. Will you climb in the wheelbarrow? I will push you across. That is what trust is. You've gone from believing hypothetically true things. Belief in action. And Psalm 124, remember last week, our help is in the name of the Lord. If that's you leaning on the Lord for help, Those who trust in the Lord like that, you are like Mount Zion. If you're trusting in the Lord, you know, living out high-risk activities for the Lord Jesus Christ, high-risk, things that give you anxiety, giving what you have to follow Him, like Loving one another by washing their feet, visiting those in prison, welcoming strangers, loving your enemy. If this is you going out of your normal safety zone, you are on solid ground, actually. And this is so backwards. Compared to the world, this is so backwards. Typically, we try to gain the world, right? 
We try to get some stability. I don't want to be shaken up. What's my tendency? Things make me nervous. I want to pull back. I want to avoid anything that makes me uneasy. And then you get Psalm 125, a psalm of ascents for these travelers who are putting their lives in their hands, their loved ones in the hand of the land of Israel, in the hand of the Lord. And you can wonder who is nervous and anxious and worried. The Lord says, those who trust in me are like Mount Zion. Come on, you're more secure than a mountain right now. It might feel like you're on a tightrope, but you are on a mountain. And you're surrounded by mountains. There's flaming chariots of God's army. The Lord can scramble flaming fighters in half a second. This is the opposite of the world. The world is all about keeping their life doing anything to avoid feeling anxious, feeling fearful and worried. And so the Lord says in Psalm 125, sing this to each other. Those who trust in the Lord. You want to be one of those who trust in the Lord, who are giving up their life so that they can gain it. Give up your life a little to gain it. Right? Isn't that what Jesus Christ was teaching? You have commands in the scriptures about giving up your life. Like giving away your money. How does that feel? Never mind how it feels. God's got you. Talking to strangers. Practicing a little bit of outreach or evangelism, what you might call it. You think that's relaxing? Never mind. Coming to a crowd, for some of you, you deal with a lot of anxiety coming to church. How does that make you feel? I'd rather stay home this morning. And visiting people who are ill, people who are in the hospital, who carry diseases that you might catch, doesn't that make you worried? And how do you like it when, when you have to practice hospitality and you show other people your messy house? Think about any commandment of the Lord. I could, I could go through each one of them that way and say, this is God saying, trust me. And now Psalm 125 is saying, you are one of those who will climb in his wheelbarrow and do what he says. That's trust. Do you trust him to take you on this journey again and again? He's not saying that you won't be scared. In fact, you're probably more scared than a lot of people. But Psalm 125 says, those who trust in the Lord are seriously the ones who are solid, like Mount Zion. And all the rest who are relaxing and chilling and feeling fine, they are in for a serious shaking up. That's what Psalm 125 is getting at. And so we're getting to the plan here. Second point. The plan is to shake things up for those who don't trust in the Lord. It's actually the hardest verse. If you see your Bibles, verse 3, I'm sure you have a footnote or two. And none of those footnotes really make it easier. It says in verse 3, 
For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. I wanted to call it a promise, but this is already happening according to God's plan. The scepter of wickedness will not rest. I'm sure the children remember the story of Queen Esther. Queen Esther who wanted to see the king. If the king pointed a scepter toward her, she was allowed to enter. But if not, she would be thrown out. A scepter is this fancy, ornamental, symbolic rod. It's a symbol of authority and power that kings and queens had. And it stands for life and death and punishment. All that power in the hands of one king or one queen. And so Psalm 125 verse 3, you read this. The scepter of wickedness will not rest on the land. The wicked ones will not get to relax forever. They will, they will not have their authority forever. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen, verse 3 says. What happens? Think about it. When evil people are in charge. When Satan's demons are manipulating you. And what happens when your sin nature gets to, to be in charge? Or your, your sinful nature? If the scepter of wickedness comes to rest, if it settles down in your life, upon you, you will not be like Mount Zion. We will not continue to trust. I would have my doubts. I'd be asking, is it really worth it? I feel like I'm halfway across the Niagara Gorge and I'm, I'm not sure the Lord will get me the rest of the way. I'm out of here. I can find other ways of being secure. God has been planning out verse 3. And it's going toward its fulfillment that this scepter of wickedness is constantly shaken up and broken. You can think of some ungodly government, some empire, some power that rules for a time. But this is Psalm 125 and it's saying there's a new king coming. Written at a time before Jesus Christ. There's a new king coming who will toss out kingdoms, toss out empires, who will shake them up. You know this is about Psalm, uh, Psalm 125. It's about the Lord Jesus Verse 3 is a song about Jesus Christ making sure that His people will get the inheritance. Look at verse 3. The land allotted to the righteous. God has His eyes on those who trust in the Lord. You trust in Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. If you believe in Him, you are the righteous ones. You will inherit the land. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think I might be going real fast here, but, but this is so important to understand. That God's plan was to send Jesus Christ, who carries the scepter of Judah. Genesis 49, verse 10. He would break the nations with a rod. It's a scepter of iron, Psalm 2. And so you know this is a psalm. It's a fighting psalm. 
You know that Jesus Christ enters the temple in his ministry days and he's shaking up all those who have established authority in the place, those religious leaders of the day. And Jesus Christ comes in the temple and he's flipping over tables of the money changers. Jesus Christ would not let the scepter of wickedness rest. So the cross. That's a kick to the head of Satan. No more scepter for you. You do not get to rule my people, Christ says to Satan. He comes out of the grave. Christ Jesus is at God's right hand. And he's saying to the righteous ones, you should trust in me. Keep trusting in me. Don't do like the world and reach out your hand to iniquity because you've given up hope. Look at your Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 1 verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one that's to come. You don't think you can trust in Jesus? Look at God's plan. And sing this plan. That all the wicked powers out there, they don't get to settle down for long. They don't get to put down roots. And all of our own trying to gain the world for ourselves, for our control, for our stability, the Lord our God loves to destroy the scepters that we have in our own hands. He unsettles. That's what verse 3 is about. He unsettles everyone who is trusting in themselves and not in Him. So our second point, God's plan, sending the scepter of righteousness. You know that Bible language to speak of Jesus Christ. The scepter of righteousness to let the scepter of wickedness go away. Our third point here, this is our prayer. Now we're looking at verses 4 and 5 in your Bible. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Be good to write. If you take notes, write down Galatians 6, verse 16 because there's a New Testament equivalent. It's, I hope you don't go into some sort of theological knot right here. You're praying, do good to those who are good. And many Reformed Christians, they default to saying, we're all sinners. And it's, it's easy language to speak of us as sinners. But the Bible often uses words like saints and good people and righteous ones and pure in heart and blameless. I want you to be able to do that as you sing Psalm 125 and, and read it. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. They are amazing. Really, you have to admit it. God should get a bit of credit for this. God has given them gift of faith. God has worked that trust in their heart through His Holy Spirit for the fact that these people are no longer wicked. They're good. And so here's the prayer. Do good to those who are good, Lord. Lord, do good to those who climb into the wheelbarrow that You would push them across. They're trusting you with their lives. Do good to them again and again. They're upright in their hearts. 
Lord, give them a taste. Give them a hint. Give them some sense of glory that it's worth it because they're going through anxiety and fear and worry. Shine on them with your favor. Let them experience your love. Give them a bit of joy. And there's verse 5. The prayer. You can't really tell. It's part of the same prayer. In the original language, it's, it's leading that way, that it's the same prayer. Those who turn aside to their crooked ways, may the Lord lead them away with the workers of iniquity. If you want the climax of this psalm, it's to have the heart of God here. No more fudging things, words, and blurring the lines. Let's have none of this. You know, the false humility that comes to us. Oh, we're all the same. You know how you you look at people, you're like, oh, we're all the same, basically the same. No. From Jesus Christ's perspective, he's invested in his people. He's saving them from the scepter of wickedness. You're not all the same. If you're going to praise God, admit this. Say, Lord, do good to those who are good and take away the people who are wicked. God has people who are good, like an awesome mountain, secure in His presence. They're surrounded by God Himself. They are no longer the wicked. And the wicked He takes outside. Outside are the dogs. This is Revelation 22, verse 15. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. That's where you're headed if you're reaching out your hand to iniquity you're turning aside to your crooked ways. If you're trying to save your life, if you're trying to relieve yourself of anything that makes you anxious or worried, to give yourself the world, to make it stable and secure, remember Jesus saying, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You You hear Psalm 125, you want to be one of those who trust in the Lord. If you're trusting in your Savior, the one who has saved you by grace, had compassion on you, then you are secure. He's bringing you peace. You see the last couple words. You want to be one of those who trust in the Lord. It says there, verse 5, peace be upon Israel. That's for those who trust in the Lord. There's peace. And maybe you know the old Hebrew word for that, shalom. There's rest, safety, peace, both now and forever. And that's God's word to you. God's saying to you, I love you, my child. You're going through a lot that shakes you up and makes you worried and anxious. I love you. I surround you. Hang in there. Persevere. Trust in me. And peace be upon you. I will get you to the other side. Amen.